Welcome to What Would You Say You Do Here? This is our ninth episode, and today we're going to be talking about soft tacos. I mean, <laughs> sorry, soft skills. Soft skills. We can talk about tacos. I like tacos. <laughs> soft skills today, the plushiest of the skills, <laughs> and something that all of us as product managers, I'm sure, are using uh, daily. And something that I'm sure many of us have been credited by our engineers as the only thing we're good at. Yes. So we thought we'd dive into it a little bit more and talk about a why why that term is not so great, and b you know what are soft skills and how can you uh, improve upon them. So I actually found out doing some research for this that the U.S. military actually came up with the term soft skills, and it was literally just to contrast with hard skills. And hard skills was anything that involved working with machines. So that's all. That's that's the only reason for this term to exist. So it's never meant to imply that these soft skills were any less important. And I think the concept itself is outdated in the modern world. I mean, soft skills like communication, those are highly valued and standalone skills. And as PMs, I think that we are most valued for those soft skills. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the other issue the uh, the military faced was that they were uh, explicitly training their troops, you know, how to handle weapons and how to interact with certain machinery, but they were not training them to be leaders. And they really believed that soft skills were, in fact, what was needed for leadership. So they wanted to make very clear the differentiation between the hard skills that they were being trained for versus the soft skills that we all know are really important and required of leaders. It's really interesting that over the years, the term soft skills has, has become somewhat, if not derogatory, at least kind of looked down on. Yeah. Because it definitely didn't start out that way. Yeah. And you think like you go to college and you like you learn to read, you learn to write, maybe you learn to code. No one's teaching you how to be like emotionally intelligent yeah. or to be more empathetic. But these are all really important yeah. traits. So I think as PMs, we need to stop using this term. Agreed. So Seth Godin, who's written a lot of really great books around like leadership and product management, he wrote a blog in 2017 where he was also defending the abolition of the term soft skills. But he did call out basically the five main categories, which I, I think are fairly accurate. And those are self-control, productivity, wisdom, perception, and influence. Ooh, I like those. You know, like self-control. You, do you know how to do something? Do you know how to not do something and avoid distractions? Around everything except carbs <laughs> and tacos. And slack. And slack. Productivity, right? If you're good at doing something, are you good at doing it like consistently and repetitively? In terms of wisdom, like I think we all know that there's only so much you can learn from a book. A lot of what you do and know and what makes you valuable, especially as a product manager, is the experience that you've collected over the years. I like that definition because it it implies that wisdom is something that you can gain. And I think that's absolutely true. I think it's important that we always keep learning. And that's that's how you become wise. Absolutely. In terms of perception, making sure that you know how to observe and identify important things without having other people point them out for you. And that's often, you know, also attributed to wisdom, I think. And then lastly, you know, with influence, uh, you know, are you able to get consensus? Are you able to convince one person that something is bad and another is good? And a lot of that comes through, you know, not just like understanding logic and debate, but having some degree of charisma, right, to in order to persuade people. So look to the cult leaders Absolutely. for how to how to gain Absolutely. influence. They have figured it out. 
<laughs> so yeah, well, as, as PMs, I think that a lot of our skills fall into those categories. I think those are those are amazing categories. I hadn't actually heard those before, but I like them. Yeah, and so it, like you said, it's not it's not that we don't have hard skills, right? Right, exactly. Uh, you know, we can do data analysis. You know, we can write a script to do something repetitively, but it's the combination of those with the soft skills of. How do you talk to someone? How do you understand their side of a problem? How do you learn to empathize with their perspective and their point of view? Many people assume is just innate, but like you said, like they're, because they're skills, they can be learned and taught. These are really important for us as product managers. Yeah, and even some of those those hard skills like you know data interpretation. As a PM, you have to understand that from a hard skills perspective, you have to be able to do the occasional math problem in Excel, but you also need to be able to interpret that data and extrapolate sometimes without all of the data, with incomplete or imperfect data. And you have to be able to make a decision that is a little bit more ephemeral and might drive someone nuts who's used to only mm-hmm. hard data. So to call out some of the uh, more granular soft skills that we employ daily as product managers, they are data interpretation, decision-making. Oh, I think decision-making is a big one. I think at times, I think that that is my main purpose as a product manager is I'm I'm being paid for my decision-making skills. And, you know, sometimes that's getting other people's input, getting other people to make decisions, but bringing all of that stuff together to, to ultimately make a decision. Exactly. And then communication and organization. And those are really important because in my opinion, a lot of times the decisions aren't necessarily yours, but they're like the collective consensus. Exactly. And so your job, right, as the product manager is to get people together to clearly get that decision made. Exactly. Yeah. To clearly lay out the problem being solved, the options that you have available, the pros and cons of any given decision, and then making sure that those in the room or on your, you know, video call are informed and and kind of weighing in on what's the best decision. Yeah, because we're not always the ones making the ultimate decision, but we do have to make sure that the decision is made. Absolutely. Organization, is there anything more we can say about organization? That to me is probably the most important skill of a product manager. Mm -hmm. Often, I think we're expected to attend multiple meetings simultaneously. While checking Slack and making sure your backlog is organized. Yeah, while responding to customer emails and re- responding to you know slacks from account managers so i think in order to do that you have to be able to understand like relative importance and prioritization of those things yeah. and like how to go about tackling them and then just keeping a mental rolodex of like all of the people you need to like respond to in a given day did you just say rolodex i did i think that's the second time i've said rolodex in our episodes it's <laughs> really funny No, but I I agree. I think organization is kind of one of those make or break things. And I think that, you know, you you can tell a PM who's organized from one who's not very quickly. Uh, Usually an organized PM can can answer a question about where where they are with a certain project or feature, you know, right off the top of their head. Maybe they have to go get details for you. That's, that's, that's true. I've actually, I would say I have outsourced much of my short and midterm memory to uh, the computer at this point. Yeah, that's fair. And so I write everything down, but because I'm organized, I know where to look within a few seconds yeah. to get you the answer that you are 
seeking. Yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly it. It's it's the mad scramble because you don't know where something is that shows a disorganized person. Do not mean to imply whatsoever that looking something up is bad. Strategic thinking is another important attribute of a soft-skilled PM, right? Yeah, and this one is kind of hard to define. What's the actual definition of strategic? Relating to the identification of long-term or overall aims and interests and the means of achieving them. Well, that's a pretty good job description for us. Yeah, and I think the important part of that is you have to understand where do you want to go as a business? Like what direction are you heading in? What markets are you tackling? What customer segments are you targeting? And what is it that you can do from a product perspective to accomplish that? And that is ultimately what strategy is. And you throw in what, what is your competitor doing? How is your product working within the other products that are being offered by your company? How does that compare with what else is out there in the marketplace? It's a lot of moving pieces to think about to try and come up with that long-term strategy, that long-term plan. Yeah. And the voice of the customer, that's another important attribute, isn't it? And I think it's perception. When we're talking about the voice of the customer, it's being able to perceive their problems, being able to yeah. sometimes see what the customer themselves does not. You know, it's the the famous, if you ask a customer what they want, they're going to say a faster horse. Customers don't always know what they need. So being able to be the voice of the customer when you're talking about people who don't know what they really need, that's all about perception. That's all about understanding. Storytelling. Ah. Oh, storytelling. That's a huge one. I think that sometimes we place too much emphasis on the process, the as a, I want to, so that. And the reason that that exists is because it's very helpful to get you to understand what needs to go on paper. But really what you're doing is crafting a story that can be understood by an engineer who's building it, by a designer who's designing it by the stakeholders that are giving you the money and the resources to build it, crafting that story so that you understand what the problem is, what exactly this particular story is going to, how it's going to solve it and why you're doing it in the first place. Absolutely. And being able to provide that context is so important because it tells your engineers you know, why they're solving the problem and allows them to build better, more relevant solutions. It gives marketing and sales like a much better story when talking to customers and to markets around why your product is good or different. So yeah, that context is really important. And I think it's often the responsibility of a PM to distill that into a simple sentence if possible and really like paint a picture. Yeah, I will say, though, that it can be taken too far. I do have a friend who's a product manager who has to write a literal story with a, you know, main characters and antagonists. And it has to be like a couple of pages long, like for all the world, like a children's story. It's interesting. Do they have to draw stick figures to (laughs) illustrate their points? An interesting technique. I don't know. Maybe it works for them. I should not assume. Got it. That's an interesting technique I've not encountered. Okay, so I think one thing that we've probably covered multiple times is how important it is to be a good communicator. Absolutely. I would say that's the second most important skill after organization. I would agree. I think organization, communication, and decision making. I think those are the the top ones. Negotiation is very important, right? Because I think your role as a product manager is often to ask more of 
the, you know, more to ask more of your engineers than they're capable of giving, to ask for more time from your stakeholders than you're allowed. You need to push the, the whole organization to some, you know, levels of extreme. You're just always disappointing somebody. Exactly. That's, that's all it is. I think we've all been called bossy. Or wait, do, maybe men don't actually get called bossy. I don't know. I've been called bossy. That's probably accurate. <laughs> Men are strong. Strong. That's right. You guys get to be strong and I'm called bossy. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's not fine. But <laughs> no, it's not. But it's changing. It I think is it's changing. changing. But yeah, definitely being uh, f- diplomatic. Diplomatic is work. Yeah. And like knowing when to like give ground is really important too. And I think that's one of those soft skills that is harder to teach is, you know, what, what is really worth like fighting? over? No, no, I think that's good because I think this plays into some of your other skills. So being organized and, you know, some stuff that we've talked about in previous episodes where we've talked about data analysis and we've talked about planning a good MVP, you know, making sure that you've got all of that stuff ready so that when you do have to give something up, you know exactly how much you can give up. You know, what's the the famous saying about you can have either speed, quality, cost. So you can you can have two of the three. Yep. And you're going to have to give up one of them at some point, probably at some point in every project, but at least at some point in your career, you know, you have to balance those things and getting everyone to agree on which which thing to give up, not give up, but compromise on. Yes, compromise. That's an important part of negotiating. I say another important attribute of a successful product manager is being a good facilitator of, you know, conversations and meetings. I think this is even more important now than ever when we're all working remotely and having video calls all day long is learning how to effectively facilitate a video call. Absolutely. I think that's probably one of my bigger pet peeves. Actually, oddly enough, other than the word pet peeve, which is a huge pet peeve of mine, is that when people are not able to maintain control of a meeting that they started, you know, you should go in with an agenda, you should make sure that the right people are on the call, and you should make sure to end it when it's over. You know, there's no reason for us to keep sitting here talking about something that's off topic, or, you know, going hashing over details that we've already made a decision on. Sometimes you have to be the bad guy in that meeting and say, okay, let's get back on track. And I guarantee there's people that appreciate it on the phone call. Yeah, I actually, I my very first product management job, my boss is really big on effective meetings. And I, he had taken like a class yeah. specifically on how to effectively like hold meetings. And he gave me like his notes on it. And it was, it was really enlightening. I think I've carried a lot of that information with me. But I think to summarize it, it's have an agenda, share that agenda and any like relevant documentation with people before the meeting. And make sure that you state what the goal and the desired outcome of that meeting is at the beginning. And then when you've, when you've reached it, kind of recap what the decision is. And like, essentially, if you can do that, yeah. you can have a successful meeting. Yeah. And I think it's important to separate social aspects from the getting stuff done. I think it's very important to have time for the team to be social and to talk to each other, to maintain those relationships that you took so long to build up, but making sure that that's separate from meetings where you're trying to get stuff done. So the first place that I worked as a product manager, they would actually delete the reoccurring meetings at the end of the year. All reoccurring meetings would be dropped from the calendar. If you wanted to keep having them, you had to add them back. And so there was no like just passive, this meeting's always been on the calendar, so it's always going to stay on the calendar. 
you actually had to go back in and add it back, which I thought was just an incredible way to make sure that meetings stayed valuable. That's a great idea. They also ended every meeting five minutes early. So meetings, you know, an hour meeting would be 55 minutes to give everyone time to wrap up and get to their next meeting. I'll tell you a pet peeve of mine is when you have an hour long meeting that ends like 10 minutes early and someone says, I'll give you 10 minutes back. And I'll say, no, I ended this meeting effectively. And that was my time. You can't give it back to me. I like that. I get really annoyed whenever someone says, I'll give you that time back. Yeah, the concept, we shouldn't have had a meeting or we shouldn't have scheduled it for this long. No, I think we all just learned something. We all just learned how efficient we can be. And that's, that's good. It just does feel like there's a little bit of negativity associated with ending a meeting early. I'm all for it. If you can get done sooner, then do it. And then then you know that the next time you don't need an hour, you need half an hour or 15 minutes. I'm a big fan of the 15-minute meeting. It's just you and one other person, you have something quick to talk over. Don't schedule 30 minutes, schedule 15. Yeah, that's what, when I do one-on-ones now with anyone, it's just like I need a quick discussion and it's a little more detailed than is worth doing in like a Slack yeah. conversation. I do 15 minutes and I find that to be very effective. So I think one thing that gets said a lot, but it's very true, is that you need to be big picture and detail oriented. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about this as a soft skill because it's something that not everyone has, but I do think it can be trained. I think that people tend to naturally be one or the other. They're either big picture or they're detail oriented. I think you can learn to be both. I think you can learn to think big strategic ideas. And I think you can learn to make sure that you're paying attention to the details. Yeah, I think I'm more naturally like a big picture person, but I learned to also be detailed because like I think I did have some coworkers that would like call me out on those are like nitpicky details. And I learned that if I didn't have yep. all of my I's dotted and my T's crossed, <laughs> that I was going to have to deal with them. Yeah. And I think that's what encouraged me to become more detail oriented throughout my career. Yeah. So I think I've mentioned this one before. As a PM, you have to have ideas. And I had not thought about this as something that could be learned or trained until quite recently uh, when I read an article on how to have ideas. And I forget who it was by. It was a, a CEO of a company. He talked about it as a learned skill, as something that you need to practice, that you need to sit down every day with a notebook and, and think and write stuff down, even if they're really, really terrible ideas, but you can train yourself to actually think about things and you will eventually get better at it and have bigger, better ideas. Interesting. I kind of keep a running list, a little like a notebook of all of the product ideas for like whatever product I'm working on at the time. And I I make it a point like once a week to go and like kind of reprioritize that. Just anything that's at the bottom that needs to go to the top, I just I move it based on like new information or new data. And I think that also just encourages me to constantly be thinking of ideas and like, oh, I heard someone mention this and that's a problem and that's something we should be solving and something that no one else is doing doing well. So mm-hmm. I've I think that's helped to keep generating ideas. Yeah, absolutely. We have definitely mentioned this one on the show before, but you have to have an opinion and you have to care about stuff. As a PM, you just have to. And I think this might be one that is actually kind of hard to train. Yeah, if you don't naturally have an opinion, you'll probably learn that it's hard to get consensus. It's hard to negotiate. It's hard to communicate anything 
if you don't know what it is you're trying to accomplish and usually like an opinion helps determine what direction you're going in. Yeah. I found sometimes if I don't have an opinion on something that it might be that I don't know enough about it to really have a say. So doing some more research, talking to people that know the problem more intimately, talking to the engineers who understand the solution a little bit better, just keep digging until you find something that you do have an opinion about, because usually it's there somewhere, especially if on the other side of this, you care. If you care about making sure that the solution is good. Yeah. And it's, it's important to care that you're solving the right problem as well as to care about solving the problem, right? Yeah. They're both very important. Yeah. And I, I think, I think we said before here is that if you don't care, then you probably are in the wrong line of work. <laughs> It's true. And I think to me, like the big buzzword for the last few years has been like empathy. Yes. Uh, Like empathizing with your customer, with their problems. It's true. Like you, you have to like think about like what your customers are dealing with, what the lack of a solution results in and what kind of frustration that generates. And only when you can really like feel their pain, will you, I think, understand the value of a good solution or know what a good solution looks like. Absolutely. So I think all of these Job functions and skills that we have really do have value. They're essential. And for years, they've been referred to as soft skills. And I think we need to stop thinking of them as soft and just think of them as skills. They can be taught. They can be reproduced. Some people don't have them. Employers want you to have them. You can put them on a resume. So... I don't know why we need the soft qualifier. Absolutely. And and all of these skills have classes that are available through places like Coursera, any other online learning platforms. So all of these things that we mentioned can be learned. It just requires yep. you to try a little bit and then to repeat. So now I challenge you all to stop using the term soft skills to put those skills that you have, that you have as a PM on your resume and don't look back. All right. Thank you out there in product land. Namaste. Goodbye. Arrivederci. Ciao. (laughs) Bye.